Welcome to Christian Life Assembly Online. We are so glad that you were able to join us. We hope you enjoy the message this week from Pastor Jim Poirier. For more information, please visit our website at www.clawinnipeg.org. Or if you have a prayer request, please email us at prayer at clawinnipeg.org. Irma Bombeck uh, gave some rules for life, and I want to read what some of those rules for life are. Number one, never have more children than you have car windows. Never loan your car to someone to whom you have given birth. Number three, pick your friends carefully. A friend never goes on a diet when you are fat. Number four, seize the moment. Remember all those women on the Titanic who waved off the dessert cart. Number five, Know the difference between success and fame. Success is Mother Teresa. Fame is Madonna. Number six, never be in a hurry to terminate a marriage. Remember, you may need this man or woman someday to finish a sentence for you. Number eight, never go to a class reunion pregnant. They'll think that's all you've been doing since you graduated. The rules for life. There is a difference between rules and good ideas. It's a rule to not exceed the speed limit. It's a good idea to drive even slower on an icy road. It's a rule not to drive distracted by a cell phone. It's a good idea not to have it stuck to your ear 24 hours a day. It's a rule not to steal. It's a good idea to be generous. And so Jesus lays out in our passage of Scripture today the difference between religious rules and spiritual principles. And we're going to be looking at Luke chapter 5, verse 33 to 39. Let's read that. They said to him, John's disciples often fast and pray, and so do the disciples of the Pharisees. But yours go on eating and drinking. Jesus answered, Can you make the friends of the bridegroom fast while he's with them? But the time will come when the bridegroom will be taken from them. And in those days they'll fast. And he told them this parable. No one tears a piece out of a new garment to patch an old one. Otherwise, they will have torn the new garment and the patch from the new one will not match the old. And no one pours new wine into old wineskins. Otherwise, the new wine will burst the skins, and the wine will run out, and the wineskins will be ruined. No, new wine must be poured into new wineskins, and no one, after drinking old wine, wants the new, for they say, the old is better. So I want to give you a few thoughts from this passage of Scripture this morning. And the first one is fasting. Have to or want to? Now we see as we look at verse 33, some people came to Jesus referencing the disciples of John the Baptist and disciples or followers of the Pharisees. They may indeed have been actual 
disciples of John the Baptist and disciples of the Pharisees, which is interesting because they would not have walked in much agreement, but they had a common concern here, and we oftentimes see that in society and culture where you see two very opposing forces, people with two very different ideologies who have a common enemy, and so they come together based on that. And so here's a situation where Jesus has come along, he's rising up and gaining in popularity, and they might see their own, you might say, share of the market in the religious world shrinking as Jesus becomes more popular. And indeed, they may have been actually feeling a little bit jealous. To make that into modern day terms, if some upstart group started a church across the street from us and they were preaching Jesus and, and you know, they're growing and suddenly there's hundreds of people coming and maybe they want to borrow our parking lot, it is easy to become jealous of something good. And it was no different back then. And so the question is arising, hey, we, we pray and, and we fast how come Jesus' disciples don't fast? What's the deal? We're doing these religious things, and you guys seem to be kind of playing it fast and loose. Well, as we look back at the Old Testament, there were rules versus spiritual principles at play in this particular situation. And in the Old Testament, there was one day a year that was set aside for fasting, and it was for the Day of Atonement. And we look back at Leviticus chapter 16, verse 29. And it says, This is to be a lasting ordinance for you on the tenth day of the seventh month. You must deny yourselves and not do any work, whether native-born or alien living among you. And because on this day of the atonement will be made for you to cleanse you, and then before the Lord you'll be clean from all your sins. It's a Sabbath of the rest. You must deny yourselves. It's a lasting ordinance. It was a day when they were set aside for the Lord. They weren't to do anything. And then after the exile... We look at Zechariah chapter 7. And it's this whole thing of, again, of fasting. And in verse 3 it says, By asking the priests of the house of the Lord Almighty and the prophets, should I mourn and fast in the fifth month, as I've done for so many years? And then the word of the Lord Almighty came to me. And as we look at verse 7, it actually says, are, not, are these not the words the Lord proclaimed to the earlier prophets in Jerusalem and surrounding towns and hills and prosperous and the Negev and the western foothills were set, settled? And he says in verse 6, were you not just feasting for yourselves? Was it really a fast for me? Verse 5, were you really fasting for me? And then as you look at verse number 9, there's a real 
challenge that goes forth, and it says, this is what the Lord Almighty says, administer true justice, show mercy and compassion to one another, and don't oppress the the widow or the fatherless, the alien or the poor in your hearts. Do not think evil of each other. And so the question was, you know, should we be fasting? And, And this is what the answer comes out as, is, you know, show justice and mercy and compassion. But, Fasting became a a religious obligation. Now, I know that I could easily be misunderstood here, and I do not mean to offend anyone. But as we look at the Bible being translated from the earliest manuscripts into the King James Version and Revised Standard Version and other versions that came along, As we look at Matthew chapter 17, verse 21, in Mark chapter 9, verse 29, in Acts chapter 10, verse 30, and in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 5, there are references made to fasting, particularly in the King James Version. In later versions, those references aren't there. The reason for that is because as they translated these later versions, they were actually using older transcripts, older scriptural manuscripts that did not include those words. Now, I don't know why some of the earliest manuscripts that scriptures were were interpreted from didn't have that, but it didn't. And so that's why you see those words omitted in, for instance, the versions like the New International Version. It wasn't that they were taking it out of the King James Version and deleting it. It said it wasn't included in the earliest manuscripts. We find here that although it may not have been uh, an endorsement in, G- in, in Luke chapter 5 where Jesus endorsed the fast and said you should fast. In fact, he said, look, the reason they're not fasting is because I'm here with them. He says, you don't fast when you are with the bridegroom. In other words, you don't go to a wedding and they say, okay, well, we're going to fast and mourn. It's a time to celebrate with the bride and the groom. It's a celebration. So you feast, not fast. But then Jesus goes on to say, he goes on to say that, um, and I'll, I'll talk about it in just a few moments, that after I'm gone, you're going to fast. I'm going to go into that in the second point in just a moment. But I want to say this, that fasting was a a generally accepted principle in the early church. And I wouldn't say that because it doesn't appear in later manuscripts that, that it's not a valid thing that we ought to be doing. When the Bible talks about something happening, you know, a a demon coming out as a result of fasting and prayer, I think there's some validity to that, some very strong validity. And we know that fasting and prayer moves the hand of God. The early church understood the discipline of fasting. They understood the results that happened when the church got together and fasted and prayed. They saw the breakthroughs that happened. And although it may not have been a rule, it was an impulse of the heart. They were drawn by the Spirit. They were led by the Spirit. And this discipline of fasting and prayer was something they did. Number two, number two, what is and what is to come? Jesus explains here 
in verse 34, that he was present and in, in the flesh when he was with the disciples. But he says there's coming a time when that's not going to be the case. And Jesus was referring, obviously, to his coming crucifixion, to his death and his resurrection, when physically, in the flesh, he would not be walking and talking with the disciples. And the principle is this, that at that time, then they can, they can fast. That would be a good time for them to fast. And the, the reason is that, that fasting is appropriate when fellowship is interrupted. And the fellowship that Jesus was, was enjoying with his disciples while he walked the face of the earth was going to, in fact, be interrupted as he would go to the cross, as he would die, and as he would be uh, resurrected and ascend to heaven. That fellowship would be interrupted. And I think it is true for us as well. There are many things in life that interrupt our fellowship with Jesus. We get distracted. We get busy. We get preoccupied. We sin. And that fellowship with Jesus can sometimes be interrupted. Not broken, but interrupted. And the impulse of our heart should be for the presence of the Lord. The impulse of our heart should be a desire for a touch of God upon our lives. The impulse of our heart should be to be close to Jesus. And there, there, were there was a time a number of years ago when, when we called this church to a, a period of 40 days of, of, of prayer, and part of that was fasting. And we saw God work. We didn't necessarily see you know, signs in heaven, but we saw the blessing of the Lord upon our church and upon our lives. And I would submit to you this morning that fasting and prayer will move the hand of God. Fasting and prayer brings great spiritual results. And the impulse of our heart is a desire for the presence of Jesus. And that desire for Jesus results in us seeking him, going after him. And when we fast, we find that as we deny ourselves... The flesh takes a back seat to the spirit. The impulses of the flesh are weakened as the impulse of the spirit of God is strengthened in our lives. When we fast, oftentimes the presence of the Lord is regained. And oftentimes we see that corporate and personal revival results from the church going to prayer from the church spending time fasting, the church denying the flesh of its natural earthly desires in pursuit of what God wants. And so Jesus pushed against uh, religious practices for the sake of religion, and he promoted those same practices for the sake of relationship. Jesus does not want us to become more religious. He wants us to be drawn into a more intimate relationship with him. That's what he wants. I need to move along here. Fresh, original, and powerful. That's what Jesus is. 
Now, Jesus used some parables, some metaphors to, to teach some practical lessons. He used everyday examples to, to teach powerful spiritual principles. And he uses, first of all, this idea of taking a, a new patch and sewing it on an old garment. And the idea is that the old garment had been washed, it had been worn, it had shrunk. A new patch has not been worn and it has not shrunk. And so what would happen is you sew the patch on the knee, throw it in the wash, it shrinks, and what's it do? It either tears away or it gathers the material and makes a mess of the pants. And that was the example that Jesus was giving here. Then he also used another parable, a metaphor, of, of putting old, uh, using old wineskins to, to put new wine into. And how many of you have seen a wineskin? I remember we used to have a wineskin that we used to take cross-country skiing with us, and it was kind of shaped sort of like a kidney, and it had a rope on it, and you could kind of just wear it over your shoulder made out of leather. And what would happen is they would put the wine in those, in those new skins and the wine would age and ferment and the wine skin would actually get hard. It would expand with the new wine as it aged. If you were to put new wine into an old skin that had already been stretched and become hardened, then as the aging process of that new wine would take place, it would actually explode or burst that skin because there was no pliability, there was no flexibility, there was nowhere for it to go except to break. And that was the metaphor that Jesus was using here. Here's the deal. Jesus' teaching was fresh and it was new and it was powerful. The religious establishment of the day had become so mired in rules and regulations and laws in don't touch, don't taste, don't do that Jesus' teaching would be like taking uh, new wine and putting it in an old skin in that it would just blow the whole thing up. It wouldn't work. Because Jesus' Jesus's words were actually life-giving. And it wasn't about keeping rules. When we receive Jesus Christ, we are changed. We are given new life. It's brand new. It's powerful. And you look at a new believer, somebody comes to Christ and they are excited and they're vibrant because they've received this new life and, and they're, they're experiencing transformation. And they grow in that. Now Jesus goes on to say in verse 39 that those drinking the old wine actually prefer it. They don't want the new wine. They say the old is better. The new wine is different. It's fiery. It, it might be harsh. It, it just tastes different. It hasn't got that smooth, mellow, aged taste of old wine, the old vintage wine. 
And here's what Jesus is saying. The religious want the old. To them, the old is better. To them, the old ways are better. The old ways of thinking, the old ways of doing, the old ways of practicing our religion, it's all better. We don't want this new stuff. And Jesus was not offering the old. He was offering the new. The challenge for us as believers is that as we age, we don't get old. As we grow and as we get established in our faith, we don't become religious. But we stay fresh, relevant, real, new, vibrant, alive in Jesus. That every day he's transforming us. And every day we are growing in his likeness. And every day we're growing in his image. Not one of us can afford to get old. In our faith. In our walk with Jesus. To stay alive and to stay fresh and to stay relevant. And and to be filled with the spirit. And if it means you've got to fast and pray, fast and pray. If you don't have that impulse for more of Jesus, then, then you really need to be fasting and praying. If you don't have that hunger for his presence, then I, I would say you're getting old. But we need that, that hunger, that, that passion for Jesus. We need to be with him. We don't want our fellowship to be interrupted. We need him. And I know that as somebody that's been walking with the Lord for a long time, it's easy to take Jesus for granted. It's easy to take all of this for granted. It's easy to just kind of get humdrum about what we're doing. And I was reminded yesterday as Joanne and I were driving home from the hospital of the fact that as Christians... Jesus can rouse us. I was sitting at home watching television. Can rouse us with one phone call and move us into the realm of the supernatural. Can make us walk into a miracle or be a walking miracle. Jesus can do that. And we should expect it. And we should want it. And we should pray for it. Lord, use me. Lord, fill me. Lord, help me to be a vessel. Lord, help me to be to be sensitive to the impulses of your love. Help me to be sensitive to the the leading of your spirit. Help me, Lord, to be filled with the new wine. Thanks for listening to Christian Life Assembly's Message of the Week. Be sure to check us out at clawinnipeg.org for more information.